0: For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
1: Where's that dust coming from?
2: Okay, I am so happy to be saying these words. We're back with Meredith Lynch, the one and only. Hello, Meredith. Hello, Emily Rose. Hello. I am coming to you live from a sweaty hotel room. (laughs) I have the, the fan and the air conditioner off. I'm on some busted headphones. So apologies, everyone, for the sound quality. In about five minutes, you'll hear the nice, smooth sound of our voices. Um, But yeah, we're here to um, introduce or rather reintroduce our dead mom episode that kind of kicked this whole thing off.
1: It really did. And it was, we had just met, we had recorded together one time and we said, you said, I think, oh yeah, it'd be cool if we did this. And like, I I was so excited. I remember I was so excited because I had never done anything like this before. And I'm so thank you for, for, you know, thinking of this opportunity and and doing it.
2: Well, you know, it's so funny because I had um, a friend of mine, like, I don't even think you, you know, him actually, he just follows you on TikTok and he did last year. And he was like, I really think you'd like this girl Meredith's content. And uh, because she's really into pop culture and because you have other things in common and then I, I realized it was like the dead mom thing, but I think he didn't want to lead with that. And and then I, I kind of actually I I got into it with him a bit. I'm like, why? What's what do we have in common? Like just just to see him sweat it out of it. But but we met to talk about something. We were talking about influencers. We were talking about tanks. we, were t- we yes, we we're we talking tanks. Yes, we were talking about <laughs> tanks Oh my god, yes, but a year ago, a year ago today. Mother's Day and Thanksgiving. Um, and I think Mother's Day was like four days later, and you were like we were like, let's meet up again in four days. Let's do this dad mom club episode. And it was just you really have always felt like someone who I've always known and now like a year and like same. And but just it's like I'm a year into just seeing you blow the fuck up, like have so many incredible things happen to you, so many uh wise like people with huge profit, like just, just recognize what great stuff you're putting out to the world. So it feels really good to be meeting again. And I have
1: to say right back at you, it's such a joy to have you as a friend in my life. You have been such an amazing sounding board people have no idea how often I text Emily or FaceTime Emily and she's maybe in a Macy's at downtown crossing in Boston, which if you know anything about her or the Macy's at downtown crossing is like a very interesting combination, but, um, and just being a sounding board for all of the minutia that goes into the content, but You know, it's also been so amazing to see you have your book come out to see, you know, all of the different adventures. Like, you know, you're with a network now. There's so many cool things that are happening for you now. And it's just, yeah, we've, I mean, when you take as George Costanza would say, if you take everything that we did in the last year and you condense it into
2: five minutes, it looks good. It looks looks good. It looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, I need you to know Meredith's the type of gal that will take your FaceTime when you're having a mental breakdown in a Macy's on American Thanksgiving. You know why are you in there? Uh, I don't know. Doesn't <laughs> I don't even really know at this point. It's 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 been a blur, but yeah, we we've we've gone through a lot, we've really supported each other. And when we recorded this episode, we kind of put it out there and honestly. I mean I'm normally here for pop culture stuff. So I was like, if a hundred people listen to this, cool. If one person listens to this, great. But it had um it had some really interesting ripple effects for us. So I thought we could just briefly talk about that before we um before we make way and get into the episode.
1: Yeah, for me, I I'm with you. I when we recorded it, I feel like multiple times we were like, I don't care if no one listens to this. And also yeah. I often, and I don't, I don't mean this the way Dominique Mucciano said in the nineties that she didn't read her sports illustrated, uh, biography and was like, I didn't read it. Cause it's about me. And I already know everything. I usually don't listen to myself on podcasts, but that is that this is the one podcast that I have like listened to a few times because I just love hearing your story. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. It br- brought me a lot of joy, but What I would say is I heard from people that I had not heard from in years who I had really um, important, powerful conversations that I needed to have in order to keep moving forward with my never-ending grief journey. One of my mother's friends reached out to me and told me that she now understood why like my, you know, father had sort of drifted away and why things sort of seemed like, you know, we weren't, you know, like interacting with her as much. And she realized like it had nothing to do with her and that it was just a situation. And she also told me some things that my mother had told her that were incredibly healing for me. I wouldn't have had that conversation had I never put out the podcast and there were other people who reached out and it was just so impactful. And I think that um, the last thing I'd say is that I, I am much more open with my grief now. And I think part of that is because of recording the podcast and putting it out there and having people who knew me from all walks of life be like, Thank you for sharing that. I support that. Or strangers like messaging me and being like, "I really connected with that." Like, I am just another bozo on the bus, but I am so grateful.
2: Wow i I have chills right now, and like, that's saying a lot because I'm in a really humid. (laughs) You are in a very humid with no fan on. With no fan on. The fans off, so to try to save the sound quality. Yeah. No, I I have chills that I actually hadn't even realized all of that like we we've talked about about the impact um and we've talked a lot about this episode like there's not a lot of episodes that I put out that then like reverberate for like months and months after um so that's really incredible and um for me like my I mean I, you know I'm still pretty recent um I'm a recent addition to this club and well, mom's Alias,
1: really glad you're here.
2: <laughs> sad you're here but glad you're here. <laughs> sad you're here? Oh my god, sad you're here glad you're here. That'll be like the initiation. That's that's my new tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need like jean jackets with all sorts of little fun fun dead bomb patches and that's <laughs> one of them. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll make a sticker pack someday. <laughs> but but um I was just yeah, so my my mom's illness was super out of the blue, super quick, um during in the height of covid. So like m- most people didn't get like the closure that they wanted. I mean, it was like a no hugging time. So it was like a really weird time. And it's always also always weird when someone's dying. So there were so many people that were like close very close to her that were so thankful for the episode because they really just got to understand things from my mom's perspective and just get like a, a bit of closure themselves on the whole thing and then also you m- made a lot of I don't want to say a lot but like a, a decent amount of dead mom content you know before we recorded our episode and I really admired that and I really wanted to get to that place too of, of talking about it more openly I'm still kind of like tiptoeing up to it more, um, like on you know on social media. But I had a lot of people that just didn't know about my situation and were in similar situations reach out and who still reach out to this day about that episode. And I'm so proud of it. So yeah, I'm just glad to be here and glad to be. Uh, I don't know. Come in and hot every Mother's Day. We'll 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 do a little something. This is a, this is a a tradition now. I wonder if we want to close with like, is there
1: anything that you know now that you didn't know before?
0: Like when we recorded this.
2: You're you're such a great, like, you're like a great podcast host. Like I'm just
0: I don't like, know because
2: earlier on this uh, when we were
1: just chatting I spent a good like nine to ten minutes on a map of Mexico looking at where you were um, <laughs> and I would have I would have hit record and just let us free flow on that because
2: <laughs> no but but I'm like a little like I get a little like as much as I'm very open about this topic I also get a little verklempt so like your guidance on it like you're just great at like uh, you know reaching in asking us questions I'm like I don't know I um, I just appreciate it. Um, oh my God! What was the question? <laughs> the question
1: was: <laughs> Is there something that you, uh, you know, a year from now, a year, a year later, know or uh, uh, that you didn't know about grief or your experience back then? Um, or, you know, did a helpful thing, whatever you want, just something. You're a different Emily Rose than you were 365 days ago. So what
2: do what do you know? Yeah, um, you know that's really interesting. Um, okay, I, I'm going to tell a very quick story. So I'm in, Me- I'm, I'm in Mexico for a wedding, but I actually was here six months ago. So Oliver, my boyfriend's from from here. Um, he's from Oaxaca, and Day of the Dead is like the it, Oaxaca is like the place to be in Mexico for Day of the Dead, and it's always been on my bucket list, especially after joining the Dead Mom Club. So we were there for Day of the Dead and it was incredible, like unbelievable. It also kicked up a ton of dust, like a ton of grief for me that like it was unexpected even though I guess looking back, I probably could have expected it. Um, and there were certain things that I was like, they're very important that I do these things because because of COVID I didn't really get to do a lot of the normal like death rituals. So I was right. like, this, this is my time. And I'm going to go, like, everyone goes to the the cemetery and lights candles and does, I'm going to do these things. And we kept missing them. And, like, people would be like, oh, it starts at six. And I'd get there and people, everyone would be leaving. They're like, no, it's it's, It's like a bad dream. This kept happening over and over. And I had a a little mentee bee on the streets uh, of Oaxaca. And it was just like this moment of realization of like like kind of lifetime movie style where I was like it was never about these things it was never right. about these specific things like yeah of course it's meaningful to do these rituals but I'm like my mom would be like laughing about all these things and being like chill she would out love like, it's- that
1: you like were in were late like she would think that was hilarious
2: yeah yeah and she'd be like like what do you neurodivergent she- queens you and me yes. always <laughs> yeah totally totally and she'd be like the fact that you're there eating really good food and you're with this like cute guy like great that's all I could ask for like and and I just I don't know I just got to cry and then laugh about it and I think that that story really encapsulates a lot of me like moving through these like different seasons of grief
1: none of them are Probably what you ever anticipated they would be. It's you know not to sound like it's like you know the make your plans and oh yeah let God laugh or something I don't know yeah Um, whatever God it's like
2: a Chloe Kardashian quote (laughs) God laughs laughs when you make plans no no I think it's like a religious but I've only heard Chloe
1: Kardashian using it (laughs) God laughs when you make plans. You know, I did decide today. This is kind of a monumental day. I did decide that do you watch Succession? Um I should. I really need to. Okay, well, for the Succession fans out there, Chloe is the Shiv of the Kardashians, okay? Um but that I totally get what you're saying. It's like it's it's not about the actual ritual. Like, it's not like, I mean, remember when you were struggling because you hadn't had the
2: funeral, and it's like, yeah. And guess what? I still fucking haven't had the funeral. Right. I've been, that keeps getting canceled. And it, it really is just like, once again, it's like, grief is just not what you think it's going to be. It really kind of never is. And whatever plan you make, like, kind of, it, you end up on this detour. And sometimes the detour is more amazing than you expect, sometimes worse anyhow i meredith i would love to hear from you like a year on what what have you learned or what has has shifted
1: you know i think the thing that i've really learned is how important it is for us to tell these stories about our parents um who are no longer with us because especially for people who i think lost parents you know I think we're getting better about talking about grief, but when you lose a parent, when you're young there, it's just, it's, everyone's like, and I mean, it's always sad, like, but everyone's just like, oh, it's so sad. And instead of remembering them for like who they were as like being like, you know, having fun or the fun memories, it just sort of becomes like remembering them either being sick or being gone. And so I think to lean into the, like, happier memories and you can have happy memories from when they're sick um is really powerful and to be able to tell those stories uh you know I was getting ready the other night and I had a work event in the evening and I was reminded of like my mother when she would have something at night like she would get ready at night and she would look so pretty and this like the humidity of the shower and the smell of the lotion and she would like have you know she wasn't a huge makeup person but she'd like have her Revlon lipstick and like the scent of it and i just i don't know like i just was like oh i used to love watching her get ready at night i always thought she just looked so beautiful and so to be able to just like think about that and enjoy that and not just think like and then she died like <laughs> it's really powerful and special and so i just encourage people to like lean into those moments too. Um, because I often think like my mom would want me to remember those things, not just as much as her, you know, being sick and dying, but maybe even more.
2: It's so true. That's so true. That's what, that's what our moms would both want. And they, I mean, you know it's very normal to obviously attach sadness to this sort of thing but it's really like that's a really good reminder for me too to like let certain memories like certain happy things just shine on their own and i don't like they don't have to then be like oh and then they're gone it's like yeah i, I then she like, died you're like yeah, yeah i know i'm very aware of the fact that she died Yeah. 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 uh, Yeah. We know. Yeah, we know. So like, but you know, that doesn't have to permeate every part of their existence. Um, I really believe that our relationship with people that we've lost is ongoing and always evolving. And so, yeah, that's a really good thing for me to keep in mind um, as my relationship with, with my mom, with the situation evolves. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, you can, the one thing that I will say is since we had this one, I got to do a lot of travel for work and go to some really cool places. And I really felt like I took my mom to those places because they were places she never got to go. She never went to Europe. Um, and so I brought a picture of her and I just felt like, you know, I tried to, fully participate and enjoy it because I was like, I'm, I'm here for two people who are pregnant are always like, Oh, I'm eating for two. Like (laughs) I travel for two, you go to Mexico for two, you go to the, you know, Dia de los Muertos for two. And like, that's really
2: powerful and beautiful. Oh my God, couldn't, couldn't have said it better. What, what a great way. Well, not to end on, but to get into, yes. get Leave into the in episode. Too. Yeah. Whether you heard it last year or you're new to the pod. Um, yeah. Let's, let's get into the episode. Bing. Welcome, everybody, for a very, very special bonus episode. This is a special episode for the girls who get it. And by girls, I mean, you know, the girls, gays, and nays, and maybe the five straight guys that could hang that have found their way here. (laughs) This is a special Mother's Day episode for people in the Dead Mom Club, for people that are close to someone who has lost someone is losing someone who is just curious to hear two people who have a very interesting perspective about this topic, or if you just simply have a very complicated relationship with this day for whatever reason. So that's what we're here to talk about. We're going to be giggly. We're going to be serious. We know we contain multitudes here in this house. So if all this sounds like your cup of tea. We're going to get into it. So I'm here with the lovely Meredith Lynch. Hi, Meredith. Hi. Thank you for having me again. Oh, what a delight. I feel I'm so lucky like that you agreed to sit down and talk to me like, twice in a week. I'm just, I, I'm pinching uh, myself.
1: Let's back up a little bit. I was like, Hey, can we do a mother's day podcast? And you were like, sure. And I was like, can we do it on Tuesday? Like I was like, I was all in.
2: Yeah, no, I am so happy because I was racking my brain. Like, how can I deal with this day? How can I make it the day that I need? And that's sitting down and just hashing it out with both of us that have these very different perspectives. And yet why I was drawn to the way that you talk about this topic is because even though we come from these very different backgrounds, we talk about it in a very similar way, which is to say, very matter of fact and with a lot of morbid humor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, where do we begin? Uh, we can start with. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. I mean, there's. Well, so- mom died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our mom's died. Uh, spoiler alert they both died. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I, I, you know, it's interesting because I want to say, oh, let's begin with a very basic overview of our stories, but there, (laughs) that's not really something so simple to bottle down. And yet there is a sort of, oh God, like an elevator pitch. (laughs)
1: Sure. There's a, there's a cliff notes of my mom dying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's begin with like, where we're at. And I would love to hear your story. I've heard your TikTok tock series about it, but I can't get enough of it. So yeah. What's up with your dead mom?
1: <laughs> you and me and my therapist can't get enough of it. So, um, she's yes. like, this is great for my business. <laughs> Seriously. The therapists on both coasts will never go out of business. Thanks to me and my trauma. Um, So my mother died when I was 17. She died of breast cancer. She had been sick for four years. She got sick when I was in the eighth grade. And it was one of those situations where she was diagnosed. And for like maybe the first week, everyone was like, oh, this is no big deal. She's going to have a lumpectomy. She might do some radiation. And then it very quickly turned into something that was much more serious. They figured out. So my mother had it was, spread. It had spread. It had metastasized to um, her lymph? and to her lymphs. Yeah. So they knew that um, she had a mastectomy, and they were able to find that. And very quickly after that, I mean, and you know, part of this is when you are, so, you know, I'm 14, right? So I'm collecting information that I'm overhearing. I'm using, I don't know,
2: ask Jeeves. To really situate ourselves in what year it was. <laughs> Does any, wow. That just really brought me back. Jeeves, Jeeves was your, Jeeves your was resource. Like
1: my palliative care person. Oh. Like it was, you know, cause my mom was diagnosed in, in 98. Um, So I don't even know if Jeeves was around yet, but I mean, like that is the time period in which this was happening. So, um, you know, my hobbies were like fighting with people via away message by putting up Oasis lyrics like I was not a human being yet okay like I didn't have all the tools in the toolbox my parents weren't telling me a lot of stuff. Um, I come from an Irish Catholic family, not so much in the sense of the religious practice, but very much culturally. Um, And a big part of being Irish Catholic for better or worse is that you don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about what's really going on. There's a lot of, you know, conversations where children leave the room. There's a lot that's not said. And I'm the oldest of three girls. um, And I have a really wonderful, wonderful father who I would say, um, uh, if you've ever seen Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Brian Cranston's character very similar to that, like a very fun, goofy, nice dad. Um, but it was v- like it was very hard for him, I think, to process what the fa- what we were all going through, right? Yeah. Um, and so all of that to say, my mother gets diagnosed; it's in her lymph nodes, and then very quickly they discover it's in her. Lymph nodes. And so, like, I can remember being like if cancer's in your bones, will it ever leave? And the answer would yeah, be yeah. like, absolutely not. And so yeah. I was like, shit, well then what happens? And then it was like, then you die. And no one's telling me this, this is me. Like I would eavesdrop on my mother. I would, um, you know, she would have some medical records around the house and I would go through them. Like, cause at the time you would have still had hard copies. Like none of this stuff I don't say this to be like, oh, I'm so proud that I was like Gladys Kravitzing my mother, but you have to understand that like, no, no one was giving me the information, but the adults in my life were expecting me to act a certain way. Right. Like your mother is sick. You have to, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, like how sick is mom? Right. Cause like, I also need a poster board. Okay. Um, like, and so, Anyway, I am a junior in high school when she dies. And one of the things that I did um, that was quite impressive as I look back on it is that I didn't want anyone to know my mother was sick because I didn't want to be different. High school is already hard enough. I went to this Catholic high school where like everybody was exactly the same. You know, we all wore the same thing every day. Everybody kind of came from the same socioeconomic background. And on paper, I looked very similar to that. But at home, things were chaotic and crazy. And it would be like, oh, your mother's like in the hospital for like three more days to try to get her white blood cell counts up. And so like, you know, that kind of stuff, I didn't want anyone to know that's what my home life was like, because nobody wants to be different. Right. And then it all comes. Well, and also
2: it's hard enough to deal with this as a teenager, but you also probably don't want to deal with everyone else's teenage reactions to this, which. Right. Oh
1: my god, I can't even begin to describe like and I'll share this one quick story. So when my mother was diagnosed, I was in the 8th grade and I went to school that day and I like told a couple people and like I have a whole story about this on my TikTok, but basically I told a couple people and then like midway through the day, the like queen bee of our group of friends calls me over and she's like, "Yeah, this is done. You're not going to talk about your mom being sick. It's weird. It's attention seeking. Cancer's a family matter. You're done." And so that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep it a secret. And I remember I went home from school that day and I was like, mom, are you going to lose your hair? And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, well, if you do, you got to wear a wig. Like, I was just like, no one can know. This is weird. No one can know. Oh my God. The best part of
2: this though, that person is now an oncology nurse. Oh my God. How the, the like high school bully to nurse pipeline is so real. Like. (laughs) I like to believe that know, she's like,
1: making amends for being mean to me in, at lunch. No, like I, but also, I have to believe that.
2: Uh, maybe uh, my take is a little more sinister because I've met some horrible oncology nurses. I've also met some amazing ones, but like of course, ner- right? su- nurses tend to be either angelic, like incredible, some of the best people I know and just so heroic and some of the most like <laughs> Psychotic, like MLM vibe kind
1: of thing. Oh yeah, oh
2: totally. Oh, for sure.
1: <laughs> and so, and so I all that to say, you know, my mother died, uh like I had maybe four or five days. Like my dad sat us down and was like, Hey, your mother's actually really sick. And I was like, Okay, yeah, I'm very aware of that. Like she's been in chemo for years, she's lost her hair a million times, right? She's always in bed. Like, um, and he was like, No, but she's like not coming home so where's she going? Like, and he was like, she's just going to stay at the hospital. And like, I was like, Oh, okay. So anyway, um, (laughs) I feel like I say that like such a dead mom kid. I'm like, so anyway, no, no, um, I know.
2: But that's, but that's why this is a special episode is because people that don't, aren't able to hang with that have left a long time ago or they, and, and, and that's how I talk about it. And I also think that might throw people off, but like I'm also like, I have spent thousands of hours talking about this. I've had to bring it up in a job interview because I was looking, they were like, when they were like, why'd you move to Montreal? <laughs> like, there's no other reason. So I, I'm like, I, I am, have had to talk about this, but I'm not 24 seven in tears about this. I'm in tears right. at random moments. So yeah, it is a matter of fact thing. Totally. So. And like, I think that's, you
1: know, somebody commented to me on my TikTok the other day and we're like, you know, I can't believe you like laugh about you know, I was telling some story about my mom and I was laughing about it. And it was just like, do you think I don't cry like all the time still? Do you this think was, I'm not angry all the time still?
2: Like I'm this not as is angry when, as I used to be. Yeah. This is when the Scorpio in me comes out. Like Scorpios are known for being like psychotic and I'm not most of the time. But when I feel like people are attacking, like my friends or like, at that point you weren't even my friend, but you were just someone who I like liked your content. <laughs> I think we were friends. We just didn't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs> I was ready to fight that person. Like, I was like, ha- just you wait till you're like, I was like, I went into like, I was like, okay, stop, stop, <laughs> back it up. I think I made one comment, just being like, look, we all deal with this in our own way. Just let it. Yes. Like- and I
1: think that's when you told me you were part of the club and I was like, oh I'm, I'm digging this. Like, as soon as I find out somebody's in the club, I'm like, it's a whole, it's a whole new game. You're like, Hey, let's hang out. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. My favorite people are dead, dead mom, people, dead dad people. And so all this to say, like, so my mother dies and, you know, she dies on like a Monday and then on Tuesday, my dad's like, do you want to go my back mom, to school? My, my
2: mom died on a Monday as well. And I remember that day being like, Oh, Mondays. Am I right? Like, right. Like, <laughs> you know, those Mondays, like all- the world keeps going on. Right. Like, yeah, you know, and so well, we, and- ske- we actually scheduled it. So that's a whole other, I'll get into that in my own story. Oh, today. that's yeah. Yeah. We, we I scheduled mean, it the day as a family, which is a whole, anyway, I don't want it. Sorry. This is your, no, 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 uh, no, no. no.
1: I, we're going to, I'm going to can't wait to get into yours scheduling. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love a good, <laughs> I love scheduling a day. Um, so yeah, so she dies and, um, and then, um, and, and then, uh, things got even more chaotic because now it was this household of, um, a really, really wonderful dad, but like, a guy who you know my dad worked my mother was the primary caretaker my mother had, had like some part-time jobs and stuff but like she was the one right and she had been sick so things had already been falling apart but now things like really fell apart and so i'm 17 i have these two younger sisters one of them's 14 one of them's 9 and then our dad and so it was just like it was So like, even when I think about it, like, it still seems like something that happened to a different family, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm like, I can't believe that happened to my family. And I don't mean that, like, there are people who have things that happen to them that I look at them and I'm like, oh my God, there's so much worse or things like that. But when I look at what happened, it almost seems
2: like it happened to somebody else. I don't know if that makes sense. 1,000%. I always have these disassociative moments where I'm like, I'm one of those people right. Like, I'm one of those people. And I will, I I'm sorry. I, I, I really want this to be your moment, but like, so no, my no, mom. Go. No, not, let's, my, let's keep going. My mom worked with dying people for 30 right. years. That was her job. And she said every single patient she ever had said, I didn't think this would happen to me. And that was like, what was what she would say growing up all the time. She's like, look, these things happen to people. And every single person's like, Oh, but I didn't think it would happen to me. It's like, I'm like, I'm one of yeah, I'm one of, I keep thinking I'm one of those people. Right, like, am I? And I sometimes I forget.
1: I'm like, it, wait, did I make this up? And right. Like, is this like a dream that I'm gonna wake up from? And, and yeah. it's crazy to me because my mother's been gone for 20 years now. And I still once in a while can think that. I still once in a while can think like. You know, I remember after she died, like for the first year, I would just think like the door is going to open any minute and she's going to come in. Like she's coming home from the gym. Like, it's just like, she's coming back. She has to, I didn't even, and, you know, some people have left comments of like, you know, it's too bad. You couldn't have enjoyed the last moments you had with your mother because, you know, the last time I saw my mother, she thought we were going on vacation in a few days. She made me make a packing list. And it's like, I didn't actually think she would die. Like, I really didn't, even though it had been told to me, even though the social worker was in the hallway crying, I didn't think she could actually go. Like, I was like, this is just going to like, she's just going to come back and it's going to be like, oh my God, it was like, you know, a scare or whatever. Um, and so all that to say, you know, after my mother died, my, um, my dad did really do the best job that he could. With the tools that he had. My dad lost his own parents at a young age. So I can't imagine how meta it must have been for him to then be raising kids on his own after he had had his own experience of early parent loss. His dad died when he was, I think, seven. So, and his mom died from cancer when he was pretty young too. So I can't imagine how hard that must have been. So the next 10 years of my life are like a blur. I like basically was just a hot mess my house, our house was a hot mess. Um, I kind of like, just feel like I floated around and like from bad relationship to bad relationship, like stupid habits, stupid coping mechanisms. Um, somehow I found a way to get through college and graduate college and get a job. Um, and I would say right around when I hit the 10 year mark is when, life started to come back together for me. I don't know if it was the amount of time. I don't know if it was just like where I was at in my life, but it really, but that would make you 24,
2: which is kind of when you mm, really start
1: 27
2: Oh sorry, 27. Right. Oh, yeah. so ten- she dies at 17. Oh, no, no, sorry, no. Oh, sorry. No, no, sorry. no, no, no. That's okay. Math. She dies when I'm 17. But 27 um, is, is a turning point
1: it is a turning point, like get your shit together or you're just going to be a mess. And that's kind of how I started to feel. And so I was just like, all right, I'm done. Like no more like shit relationships. And I mean, both friendships and, you know, romantic relationships. I was like, I'm done. Um, also my dad got remarried then. And so I think that also like, for me, that was in a way very healing because it was like, we, we do have to move forward. Like we cannot live in the past and, but the thing that you know happened in my household is that my mother died and it was chaos and this is kind of what I'll leave us with my mother died and it was chaos but nobody talked about the fact that my mother died there was no like oh my god this is really hard there was no oh my god you know don't you miss mom you know if we brought up our mother it was quickly shot down from not just my father but from across like friends family whatever um no one cleaned out her closet for like six years and her side of the room just sat like untouched. It was like, she was coming home and me. And I think that like really fucked with me. Right. Like, and you know, my sister was a little bit better at expressing to my dad, like, Hey, like I really miss mom. And like, his thing was kind of like, well, she's not here. And you know, I know that was how he had to cope. Like, how do you, you know, wake up every day and take care of your 10 year old daughter and you know all that kind of shit and without your wife that you thought you had this partner in like how
2: do you survive as an, so an, we as an Irish Catholic man right you just have
1: to keep going right like my you know it would be like sports talk radio and a Dunkin Donuts cup of coffee and like everything and all this to say like I have an amazing relationship with my dad and we have been able to have we've had like maybe two real conversations about my mom dying but like that's not a lot, but it's something. Yeah. So that, and I love him and I have a great relationship with my sisters and we do talk about it, but I have found the most kinship I have found is with people who have been through this loss and, you know, are not part of my nuclear family because I can be the most honest with them. So that's yeah. where, so
2: that's my dead mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's your, that's, that's the, the, the overview. Yeah. It's interesting for me before, even before all this happened. I have a pretty small family and I didn't always have the most functional close relationship with them. So my friends are my chosen family. They always sure. have been. And I have members of my family that are great. Um, shout out Aunt, Aunt Loni if you're listening to this, love you. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always had that really strong relationship with my friends. And that's something that um, definitely carried me through this whole thing. It's so amazing to hear your story for so many reasons and there's so many layers to it because like I said earlier, the way that we conceptualize this whole thing is, feels very similar in a very kindred mm-hmm. way of just mm-hmm. being like, look, just lay, just laying it all out there. Like, look, these are the facts. This is where I was at and this is how I process things. And the way that you talked about, you know, your, your family not talking about it. That's the type of attitude which motivated my mom to go into palliative care social work in the first place. Of course, yeah. And so, wait,
1: tell me, tell me your mom's
2: name. So Naomi and Naomi. Oh my God, what a beautiful and actually, this is just a special. This is for this special circle of people that are listening to this. Rose is not my actual last name. Rose is my mom's middle name, and so that's why my whole TikTok account. I mm-hmm. started it to distract myself from my grief. I started it in November, 2021. Yeah. So I'm a year and a half into the dead mom club. So I started my TikTok six months ago mm-hmm. and I started it because I started in November of 2021. That month was my mom's first death anniversary. What day did your mom die? Cause your birthday is November 3rd, uh, 23rd, 23rd, November okay. 23rd. Yeah. So 23rd. everybody was real nervous on my birthday. <laughs> Like being like, okay, are you going to, are we going to have to deal with this crossover? (laughs) Double double feature. Yeah. 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 Everyone's like, okay. Everyone was very twitchy that day. Uh, No, she, she, she passed away on November 23rd, but her death anniversary was coming up. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's when I would get to have her funeral because she died in the height of COVID. We weren't allowed to gather. So we didn't get a Mm -hmm. funeral. We thought we'd have it on the. Death anniversary, And then we weren't able to because of COVID restrictions and there was mm-hmm. still some illness going on in my family. And that made me feel quite frustrated. I also, yeah. I also almost, I had, was working a job I hated and I had done three interviews for a dream job and then didn't get it. And so all oh that God. happened that month. And so in my little 1950s depressing little office that I worked in at the time. I started just recording TikToks about the Kardashians as a, as an outlet for all my excess energy. And then it took off. And my my friend Sam, who's often a co-host here, she always says, Your mom is is driving the ship here. She's steering this whole show. She she is behind all this oh, pulling, I completely pulling, believe it. Yeah. Pulling the strains, because I've had this sort of dream taking of off. doing this. Right from this incredibly depressing circumstance. And there's no way I would have had the strength or the wherewithal to put myself out there in such an honest way if all this hadn't happened to me under these difficult circumstances. But once you've been through that type of thing, little things- It's like,
1: who gives a shit? Oh my God, isn't it so amazing?
2: Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I don't care at all. I'll 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 let it all hang out there on a podcast or you know, on some video where I'm sitting on the couch. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know what I did the other day,
1: which I was like, this is I can't even believe I'm gonna say this, but I just I this is what I did the other day. Like one of the things after my mom died, before my mom died, I was very I wouldn't say I was quiet because I've always f- never been able to shut my fucking mouth up, <laughs> but I was definitely not outspoken, if that makes sense, right? We were a teenager also, yeah. Yeah. After my mom died, I was like, I give no shits. Like I I will call anyone out for anything. And I can remember feeling like that immediately. I was at the drugstore the other day and there was this woman in line and she was like, so rude to the woman at the cash register because her coupons were expired. So they wouldn't take them. So she was screaming at them. So then I'm next in line. I'm like, Oh my God, that woman was so mean. They're like, Oh yeah, she comes in all the time. And she always yells at us. She hates us, blah, blah, blah. So then I go out to the parking lot and she's there and she's got this like super nice Mercedes Benz and she's like pulling out of the parking lot and she I I look at her and she looks at me um I look at her and I just I just fucking flipped her off <laughs> just was like waving my middle finger she's like oh, what I'm like f you <laughs> like like and you can edit that out but like I was just like no that is me that is part of like I would never be like that and you know what like I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't no, do that because like, no, how do I you don- know she doesn't have a gun, right? How do you know she's not going to run you over? But after <laughs> your parent dies, you're like, I don't care. Like in a way you're kind of like, and I don't, but it's like, so, so what, so
2: what, bring it on. I've already seen the worst.
1: What else could be, right? I
2: know, I'm not going to edit it out. I feel the exact <laughs> same way. I also went from living in a small town where I couldn't do things like that because that yeah. would be then the person that like you everyone to,
1: would know right? that would be your
2: neighbor yeah it would get around yeah. the the town like hot gossip but i am very very protective of the people in my life and i may mm-hmm. seem kind of sweet good natured or i don't know maybe i come off as well <laughs> i don't know how i come off but i go a bit psycho when i am in that protective mode and 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 it started to come out when my mom got sick in the first place. So yeah. she she never looked sick. Okay, she yeah, never- we need to tell tell your story. I'm sorry, but
1: but no 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 no. This it's this like is not- here's a story of me and a drugstore employee. <laughs> I, I always no, no
2: no no no. I always say, look, this is not NPR, The Economist. I'm not here. And <laughs> people, sometimes people are like, I have, I have a hard time following you. You're all all over the place. I'm like, I have ADHD. Like, look this is me. Okay. And there are many totally. very structured, dry formulae kind of podcasts. Right. And this is where I'm at. This is not one of them. I know yeah. I say all the time, people will be like, you said like too many times in that video.
1: I'm like, this is not the BBC.
2: I, t- I, s- I put that up all the time. It's not oh, the BBC. I
1: love that.
2: No. So my my flipping off my first <laughs> opening up the can of worms and me flipping people off was when my mom was sick. We were walking across the street. She didn't look sick. Someone started honking their horn because we were walking too, too slowly across oh the street. And so I just walked up to this SUV and I just gave them like a double <laughs> middle finger. Like, I love that. And <laughs> yeah. And then I just kept walking with my mom. And like, <laughs>
1: like I love that. And you know, it's so funny because, um, Until you have that like learned experience of having a sick parent. So my mother had cancer in her bones, right? So like she had a um, handicap placard. So we were going, I was, she was so sick, but she was like insistent that she was going to take me to Marshall's to get me like an outfit for like, I had some school thing, right? She, she was like, I'm taking you because that was like, you know, she didn't get to do a lot of the mom things as she got sicker. And we parked in the handicap spot and we go to go in and this woman and comes over to us and is like, excuse me, you parked in a handicap spot. And it's like the placards there. You don't know what someone's going through. Right. Yeah. Like, and it's like, mind your fucking business. But like, and my mother was so mad. She was like, did she tell her? No, she didn't tell her shit. (gasps) She said, she just said, fuck off. (laughs) Oh, I, and, and we went inside, but I could see, I'll never forget. Like, my mom was like, she had tears in her eyes. Like as we walked through the marshals, because you know, she didn't want to have to be that way. But then I think when she died, I became the fuck off. Right. Like who else yeah. was going to do it? Who was going to protect me? Who was going to protect my family? So I see like the, I, 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 with that story you told to me is so similar. It's like, yeah. who do we protect? How do
2: we protect them when they can't protect themselves? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, you know, my, My my mom was sort of a telling people to fuck off kind of person before she got sick too. Yeah. So I have a bit of that in me, and even up until her her last day, you know, I remember on her last day, her telling someone to shut the fuck up because she was trying to talk and she (laughs) was very sick and like people had nervous energy and were talking kind of quickly. She's like, "Shut the fuck up! I'm trying to focus. Like, we're trying to plan my death with the nurses. Like, so this was that was how she went out was fighting, which I love. And all I love of. that. So yeah, your story. I need it. Yeah. So mine is a lot more recent. It's different. So, okay. When did the pandemic, when did the global panini press really start? It was March, March, 2020. Yeah. March, mm-hmm. 2020. So April, 2020 was when she got her diagnosis. So oh my God. she, and she was a gym rat. She wa- weighed about she was a tiny woman who weighed about 100 mm-hmm. pounds, soaking wet. Like, went to the gym five times a week. Was would eat like extremely healthy. It was just a big health nut. My dad too. And so, she her stomach hurt. That was it. And she just was like, "Okay, I'll go," you know, to the doctor because it's been hurting sure. for a couple of weeks. Found out she had gallbladder cancer. It's incredibly rare type of cancer that basically oh you either don't know about until mm-hmm. you have it and it's metas- it had fully metastasized sure. and She had about a 50% chance of living another month or two, like of dying in the next- Oh my God. Like, and so she was just like, look, you know, this was when everyone was still sanitizing their groceries. This was when like people were baking bread, Lysoling their groceries. Acting
1: like life is so hard because I have to stay home, which like, I get it. It was really hard, but like, then you get handed something like this and it's like-
2: Well, I, I try to not- Speak to that because I think it's a bit of a dangerous game when you say, oh, because my trauma, I consider it worse. Yours isn't valid. And at the same time, whenever people are talking about the pandemic silently in my head, I'm like, oh, you, oh, you couldn't go to if the you Caribbean. Only knew. Oh, you couldn't go on your Caribbean vacation. Oh, that's so sad. Wow. Can't imagine what that's like. So <laughs> I see both sides. Yeah, you know? but like,
1: I think that's really healthy to be like that because it's also honoring your experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. and I do
2: have and like, you know, you, Yeah. And I do have a friend who we both have a very sick sense of humor. And so he was really pissed that he couldn't go. He goes on five ski trips a year and I was, and he would kind of complain about it. And I would send him these long texts being like, I couldn't possibly imagine what you're going through, but if you ever want to talk about it, please, you can always reach out. I can't even say that I could possibly empathize, but I, my heart goes out. I just said it like, and we just laugh at it. <laughs> But like you have, like you have ha- to. yeah, but a ski trip's being canceled. But that's, yeah. so I, I do see both sides. but it is so it's my little running joke with myself whenever people are talking about how hard the pandemic was for them. I'm like, really? because I was breaking into the hospital on a spy mission because no guests were allowed at the time, but my mom needed help. And so I would sneak in every day past the guards. like that was what where I was at. And so that's why it's so funny that you and I met talking about this whole tanks thing <laughs> just where she's like I was so scared I just had to like all these Trump tweets and call- yeah, people I frat. just had to like spread racism because like we're we we all scared. Yeah and I'm like well I saw you were going to Erwan and partying every day. So I don't know. Uh I don't know how scared are you right? Things yeah. things seem fine. Anyhow so okay so we got this news and it was so obviously so incredibly devastating. And so she got that news and I Just I said, okay, I'm I'm coming out to see you right away. And she was Mm -hmm. like, No, no, no. So her and my dad were really, really close. Mm -hmm. They called themselves the one brain. They wanted to do everything together. They called their house the compound. They're like, and when things when they got stressed, they would kind of hunker down in the compound, so to speak. So they were like, No, 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 we just want a bit more time to ourselves. Like we want to
1: be in the compound. We want to be
2: and like were they they telling you every like were they giving you all the information? Yes, Yes, yes,
1: yes. But just okay, gotcha. And
2: and and part of that has to do with the fact that my mom grew up in a incredibly repressed, you know, 1950s typical household, sure. no one talked about death. Mm-hmm. Then she went and traveled the world by herself in the mm-hmm. 70s as an 18-year-old. What a badass. Such a badass. Traveled through Afghanistan, Iran, Pakistan, India, Nepal alone, completely mm-hmm. alone with no lonely planet, no internet, no no phone, no, right yeah, no seriously. cameras nothing this was not done by people at this time and right. she saw people being cremated out in the street in india just on the sidewalk and it was just this thing that was in your face and and you'd be you know getting your your food at the market and you'd see this burning pile and someone's leg sticking out and she was so struck by this abject contrast between what she had grown up with that it was what motivated her to go into this line of work of working with dying people to kind of reconcile those two experiences. Mm -hmm. And later on, she ended up doing qualitative research on the effects of denial. This is maybe the most meta thing that will ever happen to me, but she was finishing up her final research project as she was dying about death and denial and how it affects caregivers so she was in a hospital bed that we had set up at home and she was her eyes were barely opening but she was still writing notes in the margins of her paper i know it actually just oh i'm getting your club it actually just got published so oh my god you have to send it to me yeah we had to fight for it because those fucking editors of this uptight research journal was like, well, we need everyone to sign off on it. And like she's dead. So she can't sign off on it. And, and, and my dad's like writing them these emails. And I'm like, if they don't accept it, let me, give me their contact info. I will lay them I'll make out talk about it. No, I'm like, I <laughs> will take will. them down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just like, I will, <laughs> I will go fucking ham on them. I don't uh, anyway, but that didn't have to have to happen. It got published so going back to april 2020 so they were like look this is happening we have a 50 chance of living another three months there is almost no chance that this is going to last longer than a year uh and so this is what we're working with there's no chance of survival and that's the fact and i was 4,000 kilometers away and so at this point um also, trout, Everything was shut down. Travel. Everything. Right. Everything was shut down. But you could still. You could fly. Technically, you could travel. But
1: yeah, like it's. I mean, it's not. Yeah.
2: Continue. But I got. But I got on a plane and I ignored my parents telling me not to come. And as soon as I arrived, they were like, "Oh my god, thank God you ignored us and came because we actually we didn't realize that we, needed <laughs> we need <you> to." It's <laughs> like yeah, of course. But also, things were so extreme that I wanted to bring my dog, who's my you know emotional support dog. Of uh, course, like, and. People knew so little about COVID that they were like, you can't bring your dog because his paws on the airport floor, like might pick up COVID and bring it into the house. That oh was God. how, that was how extreme things were. And when I found out I couldn't bring my dog, I actually went into shock. I've never had this happen before. I started shivering and like, I had to go, like, I I was like cold and like, I, I had to go. I went, my body went into a physical state of shock, but so I went with no comfort, items, nothing. I didn't have my car. I didn't have my dog. I didn't have any friends. I couldn't go and meet up with people that I know from Montreal. It's my hometown. We right. couldn't go, we couldn't go like grab a beer, grab like, a drink
1: was, or be nothing. like, Hey, you know, I'm going to spend the day at the hospital, but then I'm going to get dinner with you. Like even it's just, even, yeah.
2: even socially distance walks felt sketchy. Right. And, and on top of that, so I get there and I come from this very Jewish household very neurotic. I'm a very neurotic Jewish grandma in my heart. <laughs> I try to, I try to, I, I try to act. That's why we cool. love you. Yeah. But growing up, I almost wasn't allowed to ride a bike. And I kind of broke free of that when I was in my twenties, <laughs> uh, because my mom would lay on the guilt trip pretty thick. She would go, you're like, oldest. you're going to get hurt she would go, you're my only child and people die all the time in bike accidents. And if anything would ha- were to happen to you, I would not be okay. Like, <laughs> so it that's makes you feel any better. I was like a full pad
1: rollerblade kid. Like my mom wouldn't even let me go to the roller rink without the, like all of the pads on. So I totally get this. I wasn't allowed on trampolines either, which is like something my therapist and I are still working through because my oh. mother like had like my mother oh, had yeah. actually, ha- she actually called someone's house once. It was like, Meredith is not allowed on trampolines oh, before I went I over there.
2: I wouldn't have even, yeah, the, the fear was so deep in me. I wouldn't have even wanted to go on a trampoline. Cause so I would have been like, yes, I agree. That's unsafe. Like I would, I
1: <laughs> like, still, you were like, okay, mom, I'm right. I'm right on board. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I, but I broke free the whole biking thing. But when I came back to spend time with her, help mm-hmm. out, take care of her everything, she was like, look, I know that you ride bikes, but I actually can't handle it right now because if something were to happen to you, I need you. I'm dying. I, you can't ride a bike. What do you say to that? You can't be like, no, fuck you, mom. I'm 30. <laughs> you i was mom. To I'm gonna ride my bike. Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't. So that was the one thing, the one COVID-friendly activity that I could do to break free and get out of the house. So I couldn't do that. <laughs> I wasn't allowed. And so oh my God. and so I just would sit, I would, and so I would just sit in the backyard, uh, just smoking weed all day. That was what I did. When I was was yeah, hanging I out with my that. parents, I fully regressed to my teenage self. In my childhood bedroom that I hadn't lived in since I was 18, but we had these two months that I was there and it was just, it was like being on psychedelics. My mom and I both felt that way. And we both reacted very much the same way where it was like, we are going to just talk about everything. We're going to lay it all out there. We, you know, we're going to make we're up gonna for hash loss. It out. Yeah. We're going to hash it out. And everyone around us was reacting differently. Some people were going through denial and we we're like, if you're in denial right now, or you're p- thinking positively and wishing for the best, you need to not bring that here. And you need to deal with that on your own because we don't want to hear it. We're not right here to think. We're not here we're to not think, here. Yeah. think positive thoughts. That's simply not realistic. And I don't want to hear it. And so as much as we had butted heads kind of Throughout my whole adult life it was really incredible that we came together in this moment and we we laughed we cried we we laughed you know a ton and then I realized okay look this is gonna quickly go down the tubes Mm -hmm. I don't know how this is all gonna play out but it doesn't make sense for me to keep an apartment on the other side of the country at that point I had a government job with the province of British Columbia okay and luckily they let me go on um it's called caregiver that's leave, like family leave. leave. Yeah, for yes. seven for seven months of paid okay. leave, which was incredible. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, I love Canada. Love, you're amazing. Also, it was for the Canadian government weed store, which is just the most Canadian, <laughs> the most Canadian thing ever. <laughs> the most Canadian thing, my paid government leave for my weed store job. Yeah, uh, let <laughs> we love. We love Canada. Uh, so, so I decided. Okay, I'm here. I need my dog. I need my car and mm-hmm. I'm paying for this apartment. But I I'm gonna, even if my mom dies, which she will imminently, I still need to kind of hang out and just see. I just need to be in Montreal. Like how so my, the, how is this gonna play out? Right. Even fam- after she's gone. Yeah, my whole family's yeah. there. And mm-hmm. so I flew back. I packed up my life. I got rid of my apartment. I sold most of my things. And the only things that I really kept were what I could fit in my Subaru with me and my 80 pound dog. So that took up a decent amount of the Subaru. Yeah. And so anything else that I could fit was what I kept and I drove across the country by myself. And so keep in mind, this is still the height of COVID. So oh
0: my god! I, drive.
1: So I drove cross country during COVID too, because I moved from Boston to LA and it was December, 2020. And it was, yeah. I mean, like, I can't imagine at least we knew more then. But like, it was hell because it's like every place you stop is like, you know, what's going to
2: be going on,
1: right? Like, what places can
2: you bring the dog, right? like Well, I didn't even know. I didn't even bother because I was like, I can't risk bringing illness into my house with my mom having no immune system because even though it was incurable, she was still doing chemo with the hope that it could maybe extend her life. So she, so she had zero immune system. So I said, and I'm a bit of a, I've done a lot of camping. I'm kind of a bit of a mountain woman at heart. Okay. So I camped the whole way and oh my god That's yeah amazing yeah because I was like I don't trust human germs but also I don't trust a random motel in the middle of nowhere Saskatchewan which uh, where people know oh I'm just this woman traveling alone like I just it's easier for me to be independent and so I sure. slept I either pitched my tent or I slept in my car I often would like pee by the side of the road because I was like I don't want to like get go touch, in the restroom bathroom no, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. 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 And I did the drive in five days, which is incredibly dangerous. Looking back, I was in a bit of a manic state where I was just like, I need to get there. I drove over 12 hours a day, like by myself, which is not great, but I did it and I got there. And then, but it's also like that idea
1: that we were talking about before. of you're like, okay, your mom's dying like you driving for 12 hours straight seems like nothing compared to that, right? Like there's no fear. It's like, no, I
2: just, I have to keep going. Right. I got to get there. Also, I, also, my dog had been jumping into the lakes whenever we stopped, so I had this wet, giant, smelly dog sit <laughs> laying on top of all my worldly possessions. So I was like, "I need to get the fuck out of this okay, car." Out now. of the car. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I'm peeing on the side of the road. The a- lake again. <laughs> I have a wet, stinky dog taking up all the space. Yeah. So it was like, you know, we need to get this going. And and by the way, when I returned, my mom also said, "Don't come back." She said, "Look." I've, I've thought about it and me and your dad want us just, we just need a couple months to ourselves. And I was like, look, you're going to be dead in a couple months. I got it. I'm, I'm getting there. And yeah. I, as soon as I arrived back once again, for the second time, she was like, thank God I, you, didn't your hair, yeah. you didn't listen to us. We needed you. And I ended up being more in caregiver mode because she was getting much sicker. She quickly mm-hmm. decompensated health-wise And also Mm -hmm. we had a bit of outside help from nurses, but there was Mm -hmm. a lot of fear of letting new people into the house because of the COVID of it all. So we were pretty short on resources. We, we had the funds, but the fear was there in terms of illness. So I was doing, I'll say this, my aunt, who's also a social worker said towards the end that I was essentially doing the work of what four nurses would do. Like it was, Holy shit! yeah. And so that's what we were doing. And, and, and I wouldn't do it any other way, but it was like, I was very exhausted and
1: Mm -hmm.
2: it was sort of bizarre because we knew we were sort of reaching the end and it was October at this point. And it was like, October's was when things got really precarious and it was sort of like, Mm -hmm. okay, any day now it ended up being November, but this was Halloween. Mm -hmm. And so it was so comedy of the absurd to be wondering every day, if today was going to be my mom's last day, walking around in every yard has tombstones, <laughs> bones sticking out like RIP De- skeletons hanging from everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> what is, what is my, what is my life? And at the same time, once my mom got her diagnosis immediately, she said, we're activating MAID and MAID is medically assisted dying, okay, which is available in Canada. If, in Canada. Okay. If, if, like if, in, the, in if... all of Canada? Yeah. Like, yeah. okay.
1: Cause like in, in the U S it's like state to state.
2: No, it's all, of, can- yeah. it's all of Canada. That's um, awesome. It's, it's available if you qualify for it. So uh, sure. you, ha- okay. you have to basically like prove that you're yeah, like, dying. dying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the thing about my mom is she was a zero bullshit lady like she was like she was so powerful. I mean, imagine someone who was who motivated. in this, right? Yeah. Who's worked in this, but who was yep. motivated to just tootle around to Afghanistan by themselves when they were 18. Like that's the type of right. my almost tough as males. And she was like, Look, as soon as she found out she was dying, she's like, let's get made set up and we'll just right. have it there. Worst case, like I don't Not want to say it. worst case scenario, no, but no, it's no. like
1: it's there, it's there but for us, it's there as like,
2: yeah. Because the thing is, you you stop qualifying for made if they find that you're mentally incapable of understanding Mm -hmm. what you're going through. So we all decided we're going to activate it as soon as we see any hint of any sort of cognitive decline, Mm -hmm. because we want you to be able to call the shot. Mm -hmm. And the nurses and the doctors were so freaked out by this by her being like, Okay, she looked totally fine. And we we just got this. She's like, okay, well, let's get made up. They were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, they were, and they were turning to us, they're like, Well, we need your st- what what is your family? And I was like, whoa, 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 we all support this. Look, yes, this is gonna happen. So let's right. like, let's do this on our own terms. I had times, you know, of fighting the nurses on this and and trying to talk to them about this. I was like, well, look, my mom's dying. And they were like, no, don't say that. I'm like, what do you mean? Don't say that Linda, she is dying. Like, this is what's happening. Let's plan around this. So I, in that way, I'm very much my mom's child. And, and so we had all of that in place and we're having all these conversations, but everyone was sort of in denial around us, including some nurses, some doctors, people were just very free out they're not
1: used to seeing it right they're used to seeing people like holding like families holding on I think oftentimes it's the family that's putting the pressure on the on the person who's dying not yeah. the person who's dying do you know what I mean
2: yeah yeah well and and uh, yeah and and the other thing too is like because we're Jewish there's a lot of death rituals within our culture mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. puts us at an advantage I feel very sorry for anyone who doesn't have this sort of system in place I mean we didn't actually get to employ any of it because it was covid but with in a normal jewish death situation you would have a shiva where people come and go for a week you're Mm there the family's not allowed to buy groceries or cook for themselves like the community just has a plan in place right um normally we didn't get that but that's okay so we had all these bizarrely comedic dark twisted moments within this including the nurse who first set up our maid was so nervous that she read my mom's name as naomi campbell um, <laughs> when she was first asking about her consent to set up maid and i like <laughs> oh my god that's
1: amazing if there's one person i would not want to piss off it's bethany frankel and then after that it's naomi Campbell. <laughs>
2: And I'm like such a pop culture person so the whole time that we're having the probably most serious meeting you could ever have in your life where like we have four nurses who are so serious like okay we're reading off this very important thing do you consent because she read it as Naomi Campbell the entire time I was picturing Naomi Campbell's deposition where she was like I I didn't want to be here this is a very (laughs) big inconvenience (laughs) for me and I just want to get this over (laughs) with like (laughs) So I, I didn't want to be here today. <laughs>
1: like in a way it's like, Oh my God, those are the moments, right. That like make it palatable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, palatable. Exactly. And, and also just the fact that I had this dark humor in my pocket the mm-hmm. whole time. So people would mm-hmm. come and they'd be like, Oh my God, you know, uh, you're so brave and whatever. And as soon as they would leave, we'd be like, Oh, real original. The cancer patient's brave. Wow. So get a new shtick. Like, we would just be making fun of her. (laughs) And even my dad was kind of like a bit horrified, but we're like, look, this is just, this is for us. So we had so many interesting psychedelic moments within the seven months from finding out you're going from Mm -hmm. zero to dying soon, and including a real psychedelic moment. I actually trip sat with my mom. she wanted to do a psychedelic mushroom trip and i have a background in harm reduction and sure. psych- psychedelic i've i've done harm reduction at festivals where i've supported yeah. done psychological sports. so i i sat with her and trips at her while she Has She ever done that before? In the 70s but okay, she yeah, like but yeah but yeah, well, I mean but, who didn't
1: in the 70s right
2: <laughs> Yeah but like not recently and so right. and so i was like okay, I'll do okay, it. You want to do it. So we hunkered down and we just did, we did it. Um, I mean, I was like, do you want me to do mushrooms too? She's like, no, no, just you be sober and I'll do mushrooms <laughs> and you, <laughs> you sit for this. So that How was the ride. Was she good? You know, like she wasn't, but okay. well, like, okay. She, I was like, you should do this right away before you get really physically sick. And she didn't want to, so she waited. So she was quite physically uncomfortable right. when she decided to trip sit. And the thing yeah. is, I was like so careful. I was giving her. I made this. I make this tea, and I do it with. I make this whole herbal concoction with ginger and coriander and all these nice stomach happy things and very gentle. Mm-hmm. And I gave her a little bit. I'm like, look, maybe a little bit at a time. And the whole time for for two hours, she's like look, this is not doing, uh, this isn't happening. This isn't doing anything. And then she kept turning to me. She's like, I'm not getting what I want out of today. I was like, mom, okay. I have been so shockingly conscious with you. I'm just going to give you, I've given you one cup. I'm going to give you one additional cup. This is going to be double a dose. I'm going to now leave this in your hands because for two hours you've been like, right? like, let's get this going. And so I'm like, all right. You want to send it? Look, here Here we go. go. Let's kick it up a notch. (laughs) Here you go. Yeah. And then she just like sat back and was very overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And, and it was a lot of like, just kind of quiet, but I felt like that was what needed to happen. I feel like it was a big release Yeah, and we had a lot of really good talks about it after. And, and I, I remember thinking beforehand, she was feeling really guilty because she was like, I'm doing this to you. And, you, And I was like, I I would feel probably the same way if i was in your position but obviously i don't but i don't
1: interpret it that way yeah totally and then
2: after it felt a bit more like we're in this together like Mm -hmm. and so so yeah so we um we played out the next couple months it was both a blur and also she was journaling the whole thing i was actually recording interviews with us together which is interesting. And then we decided at a certain point, things were really going downhill and, and mm-hmm. she got a, a touch confused, which we were like, how have you, you've been so pumped full of like morphine and meds and you weigh like nothing, how this has not happened earlier, but she's just right. very tough lady. Mm-hmm. And we got to make a playlist. And this t- really tells you something about my mom. One of the songs that we made for her, like Made playlist was yeah, uh, not ready to make nice by the Dixie <laughs> Chicks.
1: <laughs> I love it,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. What else was on the playlist? Give me more. Um, oh man, oh god, um, oh, <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have no, to. No, 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 like you've got a friend in me. Oh, oh my God. Okay. I know. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like the rest, this is why I'm kind of telling like, if anyone is like, I think if anyone's gotten this far, they probably kind of know what's up. Like they kind of understand why we we talk about things the way we talk about, but the reason why I'm like talking about, um, more of like the funny stories is because that's sometimes more healing for me. And then to just do this whole purely crying episode and whatever but totally there, but 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 at the same time no there's this quebecois band um Les Cowboys Fringants, and one of the mm-hmm. songs was like um like just about holding your head high even as you mm-hmm. go down like mm-hmm. and and it's about someone who's dying but they're they're holding their head high and so it was just it was stuff like that and but like at the same time you know, we had this beautiful playlist, but my mom is still just like, you know, when people are interrupting her, she's like, shut the fuck up. Like we're trying to focus on like this whole (laughs) thing, like just unrelentingly
1: savage. Like she's not going to stop being her. Right. I remember when my mother was dying, um, Liz, uh, Liz Taylor had married, uh, no, Liza Minnelli had married this uh, this guy, David Guest, which was like this huge thing. And Liz Taylor and Michael Jackson had been the bridal party. And my mother was like obsessed with it. Like she was obsessed with the pictures, which were insane. Um, and like, she's actively dying and she's obsessed with the celebrity wedding, which I feel like says so much about who I am too. Yeah. And also Britney and Justin had broken up and my mother was obsessed with that too. And so we had oh. all the magazines, we were like reading to her, constantly from them so it's sort of like you know a lot of times people sort of leave this world the way that they functioned in this world right like my mom loves celebrity gossip your mom
2: you know
0: was was tough as nails yeah exactly
2: yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and and yeah I mean oh god pop culture is such a beautiful escape to all of this and it's definitely my coping mechanism I mean I was at this point I was dealing with it by being one of the only millennials on TikTok. And everyone was like, what the, f- what's wrong with you? Um, are you 14? And I'm like, no, this is actually a great app. And now more yeah, it's people actually are- like
1: I'm having the time of my life on here,
2: which is like one of the most important ways that I was dealing with this news was being on TikTok, which no one understood, which is why it's so funny now that I am on TikTok and have that. Service. You are TikTok now. I am TikTok. Watch out. Tinks. Just kidding. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, but you leave this world the way you come in and that's something Mm -hmm. that we were talking about i think before we started recording was that people become saints as people remember them and talk about them and i want to talk about things more honestly and i know that's what my mom would want Mm -hmm. is to just be real just be fucking real about things and even i remember asking her like what do you want your funeral to be like she's like i don't give a fuck i'm not gonna be there i was like okay (laughs) Okay. Like, noted. I'm like, I thought, I'm like, well, do you want me to like scatter your ashes? somewhere? She's like, why do what do I care? No, I don't care. Do whatever you want with them. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to send me on some beautiful mission to Nepal, to the Himalayas. She's like, no, what do what do I care? Do whatever you want. I'm like, but
1: like, this feels very on brand for her.
2: Very, right? very on brand, very on brand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's part of why I'm just so straight up about it. But so when your mom, No, I have to ask you
1: this when your mom was like doing the, what do you you call it? Made and medical assistance in
2: dying is the acronym, but
1: did you tell people?
2: Yes. Like, Uh, this is what we're doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we were very, yeah. I, because it was so shockingly sudden and because Mm -hmm. from the moment of her diagnosis, it was basically like, you've gone from just someone whose stomach hurts to now any moment you could die, like any day we have no time to spare whatsoever. So yeah. that's why I was like, if you want to think positively about this and you want to have hope, do not talk to me about it. And I totally respect that if that's what you want your experience to be, but like do you, <laughs> write it in your journal, like don't talk to me right. about it. You know, there were some, there was some business that wasn't able to be dealt with, but we didn't have time. There was so little energy and it's such a quick and aggressive illness. Like my mom doesn't. Didn't sugarcoat anything ever in life, mm-hmm. and and she said, "Look, this is going to be short and nasty." Like mm-hmm. that was her how she described it, and I was like, "Okay, okay, okay. yeah, okay." And so I don't know. I, I would ask my mom a couple times. I asked my
1: mom, you know, "Are are you dying?" And she would say, "No, I'm not dying. No one's taking me away from my kids. I can't do it. Like I'm not. I'm not going anywhere." And so I think because she said that, I thought because of the role that mothers play, I was like, if my mom says that, if she says I can't go on the trampoline, I can't go on the trampoline. If she tells me she's not dying, she's not dying. Even if Ask Jeeves says otherwise, she's telling me she's going to be here. And so like, I guess to me, when I hear your story, I'm like, I think if had I been your age when this happened, if I, had I been older, had I not had these much younger sisters, I think my mom would have been more like that. But I'm like, you know, it, it really is like, what what phase are you at in your life? What do you think the people are able to handle? What are you able to handle?
2: It's a very interesting thing. You know, I remember you saying that you're part of some early mother loss groups, and I think that you know all of our parents are going to die. Uh, that's why people don't like hearing about this. Partly is because it makes right. them think about their own mortality, their own mortality, and their parents, yeah. their parents mm-hmm. dying, which everyone is scared of on some level. And whatever age your parents die is its own unique experience I've realized. So like, for me, I'm like, I'm 30. So some people are like, Oh, but you're too young. I'm like, am I like, I I don't know. I mean, kind of, but if sort of, it's not like, you know, for, for my friends who lost their parents, like as a child or in their teens, I'm like, that is young. Like to me, that's young. Mm -hmm. And I am an adult, but it is a bit earlier than we'd anticipated. But so I joined a, a group that was like, for people who lost their parents in their twenties and thirties. And it was just like, this is our experience. And for people who lost their, their parents as a child, that's its own experience. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, it has to do with brain development. Right. And I always think I have, I hate to say this, but I'm just going to say it. I actually think in a lot of ways, it would be so much harder to lose my mother now than it was when I was 17. Like sometimes I'm like, good God, I was so lucky. Because at 17, you're like still so self-centered yeah. like, and you almost can't even believe it's happening to you. And like, as I've gotten older, it's become scarier in a lot of ways to me. Like, and it's ma- yeah. it makes me think about my own mortality. And I think if I had been like 30 or, you know, even late twenties, I would have had that thought process. But at 17, I want a cell phone. Like, I mean, that was the time period. So it's like, you know,
2: like it's just so different. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it is interesting. Cause yeah, I was hyper aware of the whole thing. And I had quite a few people from my employer at the time to nurses, to friends, to family who were like, well, you know, you never know. And you never know. There's always, and I would look them in the eye. I'm like, she's dying. Okay. Yeah. That's what you need to understand. Like, do you get it? And if you don't like, don't talk to me about it so it was it's Mm -hmm. it's it was interesting and yeah I also because I'm an only child like I always knew that whatever my parents do I like it is kind of gonna fall all to you yeah on Mm -hmm. me luckily I have a first cousin who's like a sister to me and and she did her incredible amount that she could to help out and was in the states and would basically have to like meet with the CIA to like get across the border and and help out (laughs) luckily but like a lot of the time it it was just me alone with my parents and because my dad was having a hard time dealing with it. He was a bit more aloof. My mom was in physical pain, so I couldn't really touch her that much. And so I, and because of COVID, so I would just lay in my bed and my biggest fantasy was someone touching my arm, like just a friend, just touching my arm. That's what I dreamt of for like six months. (laughs) So like, and then, and then after she died, like we had really strict restrictions. We actually had a curfew for five months. So for, for five months, you couldn't leave the house after 8 PM. And the border closed between provinces. So I had friends that had like a cabin that were like, you can come to this cabin. Yeah, yeah.
0: But, you couldn't, I could, right? but I
2: couldn't, even though it was like three hours away. So it was a very, like very much alone. And, you know, they'll say like, oh, the first year is the hardest. And for me, all of those first milestones so like first Mother's Day, first holiday, first birthday was alone, done like fully alone. I definitely would think that this would be as hard as it could be. Although now, because my life changed so quickly, I'm like, I never know, you know, (laughs) like,
1: right. Like you don't know what you, it's so stupid to say. You don't know what you don't know, but like, it's sort of like the devil you don't know. Right. Yeah. Like like I have two sisters and I love them, but we can't, we don't really connect a lot about my mom dying. And, you know, even though there was no COVID when my mom died, no one hugged me. When my, when I found out my mom died, my, my, a family member opened the door to my room and was like, it was like three o'clock in the morning. And they were like, Hey, cause my dad had stayed at the hospital that night. Nobody told me like, I think they knew she was going to die that night, but I didn't. And so they opened my the door to my room and said, your mom just passed away. And I was like, okay, thank you. Like, they were like, I'm very sorry. And I was like, me too. And then they left. And then the next morning, my dad was home Um, and he was sleeping in my sister's bunk bed because my youngest sister was insisting on sleeping in my mother's room, which then continued to happen for, for quite a, for years, my dad would sleep in my sister's bunk bed and I would sleep in, and my sister would sleep in my mom's room. Right. Like I'm telling you, like it was chaos. It was like so strange. And so I, you know, my dad's in the bunk bed and I open the door and he's like, Hey, I'm really sorry. And I'm like, Me too. And he's like, I'm going to rest a little longer. No hugs, nothing. No one touched me. So it's like, even without COVID, like, wow, I know. And I mean, like, probably like that next day, somebody hugged me or whatever. But like when I found out, no, there was no, and like, you know, I, I can sit there and say, I didn't hug my sisters when I saw them in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
2: anyway, oh, and, and what is that? I, I, are you like a touchy feely person? Like, are you a huggy person or no? Cause I'm no, I'm like, I call like people, my friends call me like a koala. Like I will go for like the deepest hug. I always want this like back crushing hug. So that's... I love that for you. I want to <laughs> be that. I always say that
1: my memoir is going to be called not a hugger. Um, ah. And I think a big part of that is because my mom died. So like my mom was very much a, like, give me a, a you know, like a hugger and give mm-hmm. her a kiss good night every night and give her a kiss before school. And like, you know, um, and you know, my dad, I'm not even, I love him so much. He has tried to shake my hand before on holidays <laughs> like, like at the end of like Christmas like when I'm leaving after a couple of days he's like, it's been great having you here I'm like you have to give me a
2: hug warm regards
1: my, my stepmom's amazing because she's like She's like, she's, she's trying. She's like, okay, let's, all, let's all give each other hugs. Cause she's a hugger. Um, but yeah, I think once my mother was gone, she was the one who fulfilled that need in our household. And then after that, I was like, I'm just shutting. I'm just like, I don't want to hug people. I don't want to like, to me hugging in my family, hugging, I think meant vulnerability and we weren't going to do that anymore. Cause my mother was gone. So yeah. does that
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, totally. And like, you know, if there's anyone listening to this who hasn't lost a parent, uh, who is just, you know, who has gotten this far in the episode, like I will say it's like going to war. You never know what your reaction is going to be until you've gone through it. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing about your character currently that can fully lay out what you will actually, if you had told me you're going to go from having like two healthy parents to like a dying one in a global pandemic and the other kind of can't really handle anything. So you kind of have to handle it yourself. Mostly. Uh, can you do it? I would say no. And I did it. Uh, mm-hmm. You're I doing did, it. I, I did a thing. <laughs> <For God.
0: Yeah. laughs> I
2: did a thing. It's called
1: losing a parrot. Yeah. Could I, I think it's allowed to say I did a thing for that. I did a right? thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Could it, can I fight? Can I literally, uh, Puff my chest up and fight the hospital security guards who are trying to not let me in. (laughs) I remember this one security guard who's this big guy, you know, security guard Mm -hmm. type of type of man. And it was him and another guy and three nurses. There was this whole commotion because I needed to get in and I needed to help my mom. She needed someone with her at all times. I needed to get in, and hospitals don't have the capacity to have someone with you at all times. There's someone there every couple hours checking on you. kind of at best. And because I'm my mother's child, she has had this thing called the death stare where she was pint size, but it looked like she could turn people to stone. She would turn this. I mean, how else could she have survived that? I grew up with her as a teenager. She was like, work on your death stare. Show me your best death stare. Like do it when, <laughs> do it when you feel uncomfortable. If someone's talking to you, like turn them to stone with like one look. And I didn't really fully give them the death stare because that's something to say like get away from me. But right. I I looked these security guards in the eyes and these nurses who were like in this big like no 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 lady you can't clipboards and uh, and I was like I need this time and you need to let me through. You're going to put me on the list as an exception. And I remember the security guard just being like I. I I'm so sorry. I hate my job. I don't want to do this. I'm so sorry. And I was like, look, I understand you're just doing your job. I totally get it. You need, you're going to put me on the list. Okay. And they were like, okay, just silently like, <laughs> we don't want to deal with this woman anymore. And clearly she's going to back down. She's not going to back down. And the same thing kept happening. People, doctors, nurses, the whole time she was in the hospital for about a week. Okay. Um, Because she, she was very insistent on dying at home. So she was like, no matter what, I'm, we're going to get me home. Even if, you know, like get home or die right. crying, basically. Yeah. So the whole time doctors would come in about eight times a day, they'd be like, you can't be here. And I would look at them and I'd go, okay. And then we just have a stare off. And then they would just be like, Oh God, just, they would just walk out and I would look at them. Like, do you Whoa. think you would have done that before?
1: Like, let's say your mom had like a broken leg and like, she was like, uh, do you think you would have been the same way? Cause I feel like it's like, when it comes to mortality, this switch goes off in you.
2: Um, it's tough to say, but I, I'm very good in emergencies yeah. uh, and I always have been in like part mm-hmm. of being pretty neurodivergent. So like, mm-hmm. um, lots of like ADHD and depression and that type of stuff. Yeah. I, I, if you told me that I have to do my dishes, I will kind of fall apart a bit. And I'm, I can see my dirty dishes within view while recording this episode. That seems too overwhelming to me. Yes, but but going into an emergency and standing up to these security guards feels very much in my wheelhouse.
1: <laughs> right, and uh, I think that's actually funny that you say that because I remember in the very beginning of COVID, I felt um, I I'm not gonna I'm not like oh I liked it, but something about crisis is very comforting for me since I grew up in a lot of chaos and crisis. Same. So chaos yep. is like something that I. Yeah, and I seek it out. Sometimes I have to be really careful, and that's like you know, crappy relationships, or you know what same, I mean, being same, drawn same. to people who oh, yeah. have drama. And so it's like, but that's because that is what's familiar to me, and that was what felt, even though it wasn't safe. That's what what familiarity can feel safe.
2: Can you imagine going through COVID as someone who's never experienced trauma or has no mental illness? I'm like, oh, babe, like you guys had it the hardest. You they're like. I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> so funny you say that. Cause like when people have been having a really hard time and like, I get this, I feel this too. There's this whole thing around, like, I can't believe I have to do the holidays, like without my family, I can't do it. I can't do it. And for me, I'm like, I do every day of my life without like the most important person in my life. Yeah. So like, it doesn't, it doesn't like matter to like, I mean, it matters and I miss my family, but like, for me, it has been like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I I've, I've gone home once since I moved to LA and like, yeah. I think you have a different perspective.
2: Yeah. When people are like, oh, does it freak you out to talk about personal things on TikTok? I'm like, <laughs> Please. who cares? Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's fine.
1: <laughs> um, no, I completely agree.
2: Wow, Meredith! Like I'm so glad that we know each other. There's a Yiddish word "beshert," which just kind of means meant to be, and it just feels very beshert to meet you ahead of this time. Because okay, so it's not just Mother's Day for me. There is a three week period where it's my mom's birthday, Passover, and then Mother's Day. And Passover Mm -hmm. is our big holiday. Like that's like my Christmas, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and. Also, we had a very big Passover Seder that my mom would lead. We always say that Judaism is a matriarchy, and our family is very, very much a matriarchy. Like it's all about the women, strong women running the show. And so, yeah, doing all that alone is kind of crazy. And Mm -hmm. so, to meet you at this time is just such a beautiful thing. And it just makes me feel like things are going to be okay. I completely agree. And it's like, having these conversations,
1: I can remember like the first couple times that I heard about someone who had been through this, I hung onto every word that they said. So my hope is that even if this just helps like one person, it has been worth it. Or like a-, a person who knows a person who has experienced this. And I think, um, you know, for me, it's sort of similar because it's my mom's birthday and then it's the day she died. Wait, when's and her then birthday? it's mother's day in March 8th.
2: Okay. Um,
1: so then and then april 22nd she died and this year was 20 years so it just felt so yeah. big like something so big. about it being 20 years just felt so crazy and then it's mother's day and it's like i love it in a way because it's like we just it's like we just get them all over with right rip the
2: bandaid off right. yeah we just boom, do boom, this boom.
1: Three month period and i always feel my body responding in different ways and it's you know, I have to be really careful with my energy and I have to, you know, I, I've got 20 years on this, but I still feel like I'm never going to graduate from this program. It's not AA, but it feels the same way, right? Like I'm oh, never, I'm never, yeah. I'm always going to have to be so well said. working through it. So, so, yeah. so well
2: said. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's so unbelievably hard to explain how difficult it is. And within that, there's also these beautiful moments. So for me, this time last year, here's where I was at. I finally just said to my government job, uh, after seven months of, of paid leave. And then they gave me another seven months of unpaid oh leave. Thank bless, bless. We love Canada. Bless BC cannabis stores owned by the province of British Columbia. <laughs> they, I told them I wasn't coming back. Cause I was like, I got to keep an eye on my dad and my grandma. Yep. And oh my so God. is that your mom's mom? Yeah. She's 93. Oh so she's she's a real warrior she swims every day by the way every day of the week she's incredible so love it we're a little mermaid we really are a matriarchy (laughs) of like very tough women so (laughs) but this time last year i had just given up my job right mm -hmm. after my mom died i made the very smart decision to trauma bond and start dating a new person And I love that for you. Yeah, it was, it went really well. No, just kidding. It actually didn't go well. He turns out he was in a manic episode. He was in a hypomanic episode. So slightly manic, but not fully recognizable. So he was like, I love you move in with me. And I was like living with my dad fighting with him. I was like, yeah, I had nowhere to go to. I couldn't, cafes weren't even open. I couldn't just go and have a fucking coffee at a coffee shop. So I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And he's like, I'll pay for everything. Like, you know, I've never felt this way before all these things. So I moved in with him not long after my mom died. Then he crashed and broke up with me. Um, And so I moved back in with my dad and I couldn't feel my grief for a couple months, I think, because I was Mm -hmm. trying to be so stoic, even though we were being really honest, my mom. Mm -hmm was so guilty that she she kept saying you gave up your life to take care of me and i was like this is not no life is as it happens yep. but i did yeah. i did want to put on a bit of a brave face i was like i will deal with this later yeah later came after i got dumped and i had a friend being like okay no offense but you seem more upset about being dumped by this random guy that you had a fling with than your mom dying and i was like that's when i realized This is the catalyst that's unlocking my grief. I wasn't able to feel it. Totally. And also it is a little, you do have a little more control over it, right? Like there is a little more like this person's not dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, a breakup is like in your face. You're right. It's it's a slap in the face. It, It really hurts, but then you get over it. But what you, when your mom dies, you will deal with it for the rest of your life. And you'll be Mm -hmm. driving somewhere and have some random moment where you're like, oh, like crying over some sight. Is that 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 Randy Newman on the radio again? (laughs) God damn it. Yeah. Um, Yes. Fuck. Is this song coming on this place? Yeah. That, that sort of thing. So I just moved back in with my dad. I had no job, no place to live. All of my friends were on the other side of the country being like, have you lost your mind? Like, come, we'll take care of you. We'll be with you. You're all alone there. And I was just like, I feel like I just need to stay in Montreal. I can't explain. I just can't fully explain it. And that was a real rock bottom. And then six months later, I started posting to TikTok and not that my life solved itself or got perfect, but a lot of dreams are coming true in a very magical way. And it's very lovely and unexpected.
1: I know. You know, it's so weird to say that, but I was actually talking to somebody else the other day. I'm like, TikTok Changed my life, which like sounds so stupid, like it sounds like the dumbest thing in the world, but it's true. It's It's changed my life. I see it as a portal. Yeah, I feel like, and like how,
2: like how would we have met, right? And like I'm, we wouldn't have. How would I've had? How would I've met? How would I've gotten this podcast that really is just an excuse for me to talk to cool people that I find interesting that I have no other excuse to (laughs) sit down and chat with. Yeah, and and that for me, what got me through my mom's illness was thinking Mm -hmm. my life changed in one day. In one day I was normal. I had two healthy parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And in one day it was like, you're going to have one dead parent. You're going to have an elderly parent who doesn't really know how to function on their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's going to be a reality very soon. And so I thought, okay, just as soon as everything changed and what feels like my whole life went down the toilet, just as quickly it can change for the better. And so, and so, and so I thought this even before my mom died, I said the year after my mom dies is going to be the year of miracles. And Mm -hmm. I just kept saying that I'm like getting, I'm like, I kept saying that over and over. It's going to be the year of miracles because everything was ruined in a day. So just as quickly, magical things can all can happen. Yeah. It also gives you this idea of hope, this
1: idea of possibility, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I also around 3 weeks before I started my TikTok I met a lovely new person who is now you know my first healthy relationship thank god like this poor man toughs out every single podcast of me talking friend of the about- pod <laughs> friend of the pod who hears me talking about Chloe Kardashian for about 2 hours a week uh <laughs> this is the thing grief is this very weird thing that comes at you when you least suspect it and this time, actually Mother's Day of last year, mm-hmm. I logged out of every social media account the week mm-hmm. before I mm-hmm. turned off my phone. I did everything I could to not deal with Mother's Day. Yep. And I I'll have people that will find out the news for the first time. And then mm-hmm. they are obviously in a very sad place and they want to talk mm-hmm. about it. But I'm like, I'm thinking about what my TV show that I want to go home and watch right now in this moment. So I know right. you want to have a moment with me. I don't want to have a moment with you. Like, right. and, and if I want to be talking about my grief and then suddenly switch sharply to talking about Khloe Kardashian, like that's also part of it. You know what I mean? Well, it's so funny you say
1: that because one on one of my, I think it was, oh, it was the Tig, Tink's Fig Newton gate, which like I preface with the fact that like, this is unhinged, but I'm going to say it. Yeah, yeah. There was a creator who's like actually pretty big. And she commented on it and she was like, Kim, people are dying. And so I wrote back to her and I was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like two videos before this, I did like a whole video about my mom dying and grief and how it manifests itself in me and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and so like, I do this too. And I was like, so like, please don't go there with me. And she wrote back and she was like, yeah, I know. Uh, I saw that or something, you know, um, I just thought this clip fit. And I was like, I wrote back and I said, you know, I think it's hard And then I'm like, why am I doing this? But like, I think it's hard because like, I, I share with people like my grief. And then I get people who write back and are like, that's not the right way to grieve or, you know, whatever. And then I, and then I'll have people say like, just stick to talking about celebrities. And then I talk about celebrities and people are like, talk about more serious things. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. I'm just going to yell into the void however I want. And if you don't like it, keep scrolling. Do you know how many Um,
2: people I want to guilt trip when people tell me all the time, oh, I have no life because all I talk about is celebrities. And I want to be like, do you know what? I'm actually- taking a little break from my grief, from the fact that I've been a caregiver and I gave up my whole life and sold all my plants and drove across the country to deal with this. So I actually know that there's more serious things. And this is my outlet. You fucking asshole. I want to say that all the time, but I'm like, no, I won't give them
1: fully the time. People do that to me all the time. And it's like, you know what? No, like I've fucking been there. I've been in the trenches and you know, I have, um, there's this woman that I know who's, uh, you know, she, she's a, I don't know what LMFT, um, her name's Claire Bidwell Smith. And she said something to me once that like really changed my life, which was when everybody puts their shit on the table, they take their own shit back because you don't know what people are carrying.
2: And once you hear it, like, you're not going to want that. Exactly. Like at one point I, you know, I had alluded to that my mom's dead and I had someone ask me on a live, are, are you going to talk about your grief story? And I was like, I have no problem sharing my grief story, but I know that it evokes very strong reactions in people. And Mm -hmm. one of those is sympathy. And I've just had a saturation point that I've reached in terms of receiving sympathy. And so I'm just simply not doing it because I can't. I don't want that. Do you feel though, like sympathy is kind of the easy reaction? Well, it's the reaction in a society that has given people zero tools in dealing with this. So Mm -hmm. I understand why people get... Uncomfortable or weird or want to change this the topic because there's no framework for talking about this. There's no mm-hmm. emotional guide for how to deal with this. And that was why my mom did her research was right. ta- talking about families that had no way of dealing with this but were in the trenches. And then mm-hmm. because of everyone's denial, how that made it worse and more challenging right. and 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 everything. Your mom would have had a field day at my house, huh? (laughs) That's the house she grew up in. And so she, so, oh my God, she did poetry about death. This was before long, long before she was dying. She did qualitative research and poetry about her people that she would interview that were in denial. And her first big project was called like, like with a, like shushing And it was, so it was like, dot, 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 like about shushing people up who are trying to talk about death. And so- Mm -hmm uh so so wild and so meta and like you know i just i want to just go back for a second to my yeah. first mother's day which was oh, uh, yeah, which, yeah. in the club which was last year so i had cut myself off from the outside world right I'm like i'm just right. watching right. reality Social shows yeah yep mm-hmm. and out of my eye from my bedroom window <laughs> from my childhood bedroom Uh, which was so weird. I saw lawn furniture and I knew, okay, I'm going to move out in the next couple of months. I want that lawn furniture. Someone just put out on the sidewalk. So I went to go get it. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, 30 meters away. Yeah, Yeah there were these neighbors intercepting me that they saw the furniture. They didn't realize we were both walking towards it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it was fine. So they are going to get it. And then we see each other and they were like, oh. And they were like, oh my God, Emily, like we just found it. And I'm like looking at the furniture and they're I'm like, but they're, I want the furniture. They're blocking <laughs> it. But they're, but they're standing in front. They're like, we just found out. Oh my God, we're in such shock. We can't believe your mom. Dad. And I'm like looking at the furniture and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's 6 p.m. I've cut myself off. I've had my phone off for 48 hours. And I have not, I've gotten this far. And now I'm getting this reaction that I've been doing everything in my power to avoid. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. As I'm like, uh, I'm like, do you want the furniture? Cause I know you're here first. They're like, no, no, you can have it. But we're so shocked. We're so shocked. I'm like, okay, but, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm like, if I just going to take this lawn chair and I'm like, I'm going like- to take the lawn chair. And they were like, no, no, we'll help you. Oh my God. We're so your mom. died. I'm like, give me the furniture. Let me go. Oh my God. You're like George
1: Costanza. I
2: love it. (laughs) And I'm like, of course this would happen to me. Of course. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I left my house for, I went 30 meters outside of my house at the very end of the day. Nowhere
1: is safe. No,
2: nowhere is safe. But I, I get it. You tell someone that somebody died very close to you. What are they supposed to do laugh or have a flippant reaction no they're they're gonna be either very serious or get weird or whatever and and that is because we don't have the capacity to deal with this as sure. a society and so and you also don't not everybody but sometimes you don't know
1: what somebody else has been through with grief right like sometimes i'll end up talking to someone they'll be like i you know i have this friend who it's actually a friend's mom and i'd known her for years and then maybe you know five years after my mom died i said for like what happened to your dad? And she was like, Oh, he died when I was 17. I'm like, I've known you like my whole life. You're one of my mother's closest friends. And I never knew that your dad died. And now like everything makes so much more sense, but it's like, like you just don't know. Cause I think a lot of times when you tell somebody it's triggering maybe their own grief experience. So here's my question for you. Are you going to stay off the social channels? Are you like, what is your, what is your game plan?
2: I don't know. I'm just going to go with it. I don't really have a plan, I think, because maybe because things are so new for me and Mm -hmm. also because this is the second Mother's Day without my mom, but also the first one I've had where the world is actually open. So right.
1: And your life is like a little bit more stable than it was like, you're yeah. not like fighting your uh, acquaintances for lawn furniture outside. Like you,
2: you have your place, and then, you're settled. And then living in my pink bedroom that I chose that pink paint when I was five years old and having like, please weird, tell me it
1: had like a Pepto
2: vibe. Oh, very much a Pepto vibe. Also sharing a wall with, you know, my, my mom and dad's like bedroom, weird vibes, not the best vibes. Uh, and and totally. And so, yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to want to wake up and just Mm -hmm. smoke weed all day or cry or just have a fun day or whatever. I've been getting my nails done on sad days. That's how I've been dealing with things generally. So maybe I'll do that as my redneck friend says, I will play it by beer. (laughs) No, Fair enough. And I think that's really good.
1: Like last year you thought okay I can't do any of these things and now you're learning sort of like okay well like maybe I can and I will say this about social media a lot of people have a really hard time with social media around Mother's Day self-included but one thing that I can almost sort of look at and laugh about is the fact that like for lack of a better term we basically like shit on women all year um and then on Mother's Day we go Fucking him. And what I always remind people is like, don't worry on Monday, everyone's gonna go back to forgetting about their moms. Yeah, like, yeah. And stop like, like and it's not true, but like no, but there's is no no, of-
2: it is true, and it's increased over the last couple of years. I've noticed it's like oh everyone God, is in this competition of writing a longer and longer caption. Like it's like the Kardashians like being like, This is my photo carousel of me and my mom. Like it's it's getting more intense. And yes. okay, do you wanna know this? Is such a funny little thing, but do you know what there's this cartoon? I think the marina andrews or something like that okay and i think everyone's seen it it's like it's very simple cartoons is like this is for people who are people who are grieving people who want to be a mom yeah and i was like and i used to like that cartoon last year i was like if i see this fucking cartoon i'm gonna lose it i don't want to fucking see it okay so that was part of why i logged off social media and so after after this whole neighbor thing happened. I was, I was just like in a fugue state. I went in, I logged back into my Instagram and someone had messaged me that cartoon and I was like, oh fuck off. Like, I like I've I'm I've made it so far without getting all these landmines. And now I'm like, I'm gonna lose it. That cartoon is like I always say helping
1: and hurting both start the same way with an H. That is that cartoon. Right. Like that and you know what's so funny is like I will see people who like I have these sort of people who like, I'm not close with anymore, but I feel like I knew them when my mother was sick and like, maybe I still see them on social media and like, they weren't there for me. Right. Like they weren't and like, you know, I was a lot younger, but then they'll like post those, those things. And I'm like, you know what, like, or I shouldn't even say that, you know what, I'm just going to say it. There are people in my life who I know care about me and they will post that image, but like, they don't take two seconds to text me that day and check in on me. Right. Like, you put that social media image out there, like thinking of people who don't have Mother's Day. It's like, fucking text your dead mom friend then. Be like, yeah, hey, babe, yeah. how's it fucking going? What do like- you think of Kim's <laughs> dress at the Met Gala? Okay, <laughs> like like check in with me. It's just, it's, it, and that's why I'm like, it is sort of become this like social media day,
2: right? It's like this so live, my- laugh, love of, you really? know, grief. And yeah, the best thing that anyone said to me after my mom died was someone else who her mom had died when she was a teenager. And she said, uh, every time we talk, she would say, do you want to talk about it? Or do you want distraction? And I was like, I love that. Thank you. Because every moment of every day in the immediate aftermath, I'm like, I won't know until that moment, if I want to talk about it, or if I want distraction. And also, I don't know if the person I'm talking to can handle either.
1: Right. Exactly. Like uh, not
2: everyone is here for
1: me to just like trauma dump on. Right. Yeah. Like I also have to realize that too. My first, I have to tell you the story of my first mother's day because it's so funny. Oh yeah. Do sorry. Have- I haven't. Do been- you have time? No,
2: I feel like I've just been talking about myself and like not asking you enough no questions. I'm all. like, oh okay. my God, no, no, no. I'm like, I got to tell the story.
1: Yes. Um. Okay. So my mom dies April 22nd. So mother's day is like really close after that right so no one's really talking about the fact that like we had a like, you know we're Irish so like we had a funeral and like you know we had a funeral on Thursday and then I went and then we buried her on Friday like and you know she was cremated so like um and then on Monday I go back to school and it's like like nothing happened like Meredith you have it's a chemistry exam um and like I and I, I won't say that like people weren't being nice to me, but like they, you know, it was definitely a tough week. I remember I came back to school and like this, like people were like, okay, we want to just like, like, I had this couple of friends who were like, we want to sit you down and let you know, just like about a couple of things that have been happening since you've been gone. I'm like, okay. They're like, so there is a rumor going around that you didn't like your mom. I'm like, okay. Um, cause you did complain about her, um, on the phone to someone. I'm not going to name names, but like about three months ago, you were mad at her and you called X person. And I'm like, yeah, cause like uh, she was my mom. Like she was pissing me off. You're Just a because someone has cancer doesn't mean that they're automatically nice all the time or that I can't yeah. get frustrated with them. So anyway, long story short, that was like a great one to navigate. I was like, that's when I invented my like need to know basis. I was like, I didn't need to know that. If want to talk
2: The petty part of me, uh, is wanting that person to then have this moment you know at 3am when they're later in life unfortunately going through their own uh experiences with whatever right. tough and being like oh fuck like feeling guilty about that
1: <laughs> I mean and I can look back though like and and see things that I did when I was younger to people and be like you know what that wasn't I don't think that they were coming from an intentionally bad place they were coming from the operating of a not fully formed frontal lobe yeah.
2: right so that's this is why I say that whatever age you lose a parent at is its own experience because part of what I have to reconcile with is technically my frontal lobe was fully formed, but I was still, I, when I was being a bitch, I'm like, well, I'm an adult. Yeah. yeah. But I'm acting like a full-on brat and it's just, yeah, it's very, every time any no matter when you get this news, no matter what, it's always weird in its own way, but it's right. like, what flavor of weird is it going to be right. anyway? Exactly. So
1: long story short, um, it's mother's day and my, family's not talking about it, but we decide as like an extended family to go out to lunch. So like, it's me and like my extended, like my mother's fa- like siblings and and their kids. And so like everybody has a mom and we go to lunch, um, at this restaurant and it's pouring, pouring, pouring rain, like to the point, like where it's like buckets where you like, wouldn't have even want to really be driving, but like, we're going, we're going to the lunch and no one's acknowledging the fact that my mother's dead. We're just like, oh, we're all going out to lunch today. It's like, okay, well, like, isn't it also mothers? Okay. And so we get there and I turn into a huge brat because I look at the menu and there was nothing I liked. And I had this moment of like, if my mother was alive, she wouldn't have picked this restaurant because she would have known that there's nothing I like here, which my mother was not that kind of mother. She would have been like, fucking figure it out. Like you, you, you like something here. But I had this moment. So no one's talking about the fact that it's Mother's Day. No one's talking about the fact that my mom is dead. And then my aunt just announces, I have a gift for you, my sisters. And we're like, okay. She hands us each a jewelry box and inside is a locket and it has my initials on it. I'm like, okay. And so then she's like, open it up. I'm like, okay. So like, it's the whole extended family. We're all at the table. Everyone's watching me. I open it up and inside is like, pieces of hair. I'm like, what is this? Oh no. She's like, that's your mother's hair. It's in the locket. I'm like, what? She's like, it's your mom's hair. I cut it off right uh, before they took her, before they took her body she had just a little bit of hair. Cause she had like been growing and losing it from chemo. And so like, I'm at this table at this restaurant, it's pouring rain. No one's talking about the fact that it's mother's day. There's all these other nice families out and like, you know, they're whatever. And I'm holding the snack <gasps> with my dead mom's hair in it. And like, I know the intent was good. Like it was, but then it's just like, Oh, okay. Thank you for that. And so like, and then I, it's like, what, what do I do with it? Shit right. And it's been, it's been like three weeks. Okay. And no one's talking about it at home. So it's like, what am I supposed to do? So anyway, um, that was my first mother's day.
2: My God. Oh my <laughs> God. Oh my oh. fucking God. Yeah. You have these moments that are so unbelievably macabre in their own way that it's just, those are the moments that's it's like, yeah, that's what keeps our therapists booked and busy. <laughs>
1: Right. Exactly. And like, I know that the intent was good, but like, also like my sister was nine, like she opens up this locket with like her dead mom's hair. Like maybe for her, it was easier because it's like your aunt's dealing with
2: it in in her own way. way. Yeah. So anyway,
1: um, that was my first mother's day. And I have to say they've only gotten better since then. I really mean that because I really believe that it doesn't get better. It doesn't get easier, but you get better at it. And so now I find for me, this is, this is a me thing. It's good for me to have a plan for mother's day. And that plan can be anything of like, I'm going to go to Marshall's. I'm going to go, you know, for a walk. I'm going to, whatever, like, I just need to do something. I need to move my body. I need to get out of myself. I maybe go on social media. I maybe don't like, I just have to, I have to ride the day.
2: Yeah. You have to do whatever, exactly. Whatever feels good to you in that moment. And if you have a whole plan of what you're going to do and then wake up that day and feel different, scrap it, just do whatever totally. the fuck you want. This <laughs> has been so good. This has been so fantastic. I have to go to LA. I really just, I Come. gotta go. We need you. We need you.
1: I needed The vibe, your vibes would be welcomed here.
2: Did you know that growing up people thought I was from California constantly? And oh, I, when
1: I first saw your Instagram, not your TikTok, your Instagram, I was like, "Oh, she must live in LA."
2: And and all the time, people in Montreal would be like, "Where are you from?" I'm like, "I'm from here." They're like, "No, where would you live before this?" I'm like, "I've never left here. Montreal." Heaven. Yeah, sorry, I'm not a rude French person like everyone else. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I love them, but like totally. But they're like smoking cigs and just like cursing people out. It's like. <laughs> It's kind of like a bit of a New Yorky vibe with a sure. European twist to it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um yeah, I no I've got to go to LA. Meredith I have to have you back on the pod, but this was such a special, special episode. I'm so glad we got to do this. I'm so glad
1: we did it too. I feel like we should do one for father's day and bring like a a dead dad kid on or something. And we can (laughs) like ask all our dead dad questions.
2: Well, my, my guiding force to all this is Heather McMahon. She's my favorite podcaster Mm -hmm. and my favorite comedian. And she launched her whole career in the depths of despair after dad died, living with her mom, being like joking about her rock bottom. And so my, my dream, the only reason why I want any level of fame is so that I can be big enough that I am able to meet Heather McMahon and I love that for you everyone thinks they're her best fr- or thinks that she's their best friend in their mind because she's just that type of person type of like
1: relatable yeah mm-hmm. but I'm
2: like no for real though for me but like <laughs> I actually
1: am her best friend
2: yeah like, yeah she doesn't yeah. know it yet um <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah no we should do when is father's day it, it happened before mother's day when June oh it's in June okay it's in June yeah. my dad's my- and grads. Well, my my parents actually never let us celebrate either of these days growing up because they took a very big stand against what they call bullshit Hallmark holidays. They said, we refuse to be part of this capitalist ploy to get us to buy things. So we never even celebrated this
1: growing up. Okay, we barely did Mother's Day and we would always ask our mom, like this I feel like is so indicative of who my mother was. I'd be like, what do you want for Mother's Day? She'd say, my children to not fight all day. <laughs> that was her biggest thing which like there was no chance of that happening so um all I can do is give you a
2: shitty uh Instagram photo now a hundred percent and I'll have to have you back on the pod but I would be thrilled I would be honored you know I am with you on if this just helps one person then I am so happy to be able to put this out there and for anyone listening who has gotten anything positive about this i just want to thank you for coming and hanging out with us on this very very wild and special week and yeah thank you so much meredith thank you
1: emily this has been so cathartic thank you so
2: lovely okay well I'll 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 talk to you soon
1: yes definitely
2: okay bye